Hello, and welcome back to the Cuse Conversations podcast. My name is John Boccasino, the communications specialist in Syracuse University's Office of Alumni Engagement. I'm also a 2003 graduate of the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications with a degree in broadcast journalism. I am so glad you found our podcast. On today's episode of the Cuse Conversations podcast, we have the pleasure of welcoming comedian, actress, and history buff Lyric Lewis. Lewis stars on NBC's hit show AP Bio as history teacher Steph Duncan, and she has also starred on Mad TV and Comedy Central's Drunk History. Lewis, who earned a drama degree from Syracuse University's College of Visual and Performing Arts, will discuss how COVID-19 has impacted Hollywood and the entertainment business, how she transitioned from a classically trained theater major to a comedian and improv expert, and how she became fascinated with history and dinosaurs. Lyric, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's definitely strange times that we're all living in, you know, during the pandemic known as COVID-19, and it's hit all sorts of walks of life. No industry has been spared from this. And obviously Hollywood and the entertainment realm where you happen to uh, to be a star is really being hit hard by this. Can you talk a little bit about the impact that this has had on you and your entertainment colleagues? Well, yeah, on me personally, it was crazy because I um, actually had my daughter, had a baby on the 9th of March. And literally by the time I got home from the hospital, two days later, all of LA County went on lockdown. So my whole um, experience as a new mom has been on lockdown. And it's so funny because I remember I was actually still shooting AP Bio uh, for season three right before all this happened, shooting very pregnant, eating all of the donut holes that I could find, <laughs> and um, all the cronut holes. No cronut or donut was safe around me on set. But it's, so, it's crazy because, you know, January, February, we were hearing about you know, there's and we it's so funny, we were like starting to, you know, wash our hands way more and little things like that on set. And people were even joking about literally days before um I had her, um I was shooting and people were joking about that they're like, Man, people are taking all the toilet paper, calm down people, all the like all this stuff that was slowly starting to happen and literally it came home days later, the city is locked down. So it's been a little it's been surreal because I went to, you know, theaters in this hospital bubble of, you know, not seeing on the street, on the front line, what was happening and literally did not go inside of a Rite Aid or like a store till like last week from March 9th. And so, yeah, it's been personally surreal, just like wondering, like, will we go to Target again? What do the streets look like? Like, it's been so like so crazy to come home uh to that but kind of nice because you know it's just you know the baby has time to like hunker down and it's just us so that's been like it kind of would have been that but like everybody's isolated um so that's uh it's interesting and as far as the business that's been the craziest part because for tv and film i mean there's so many people around all the time and so you know, there's been articles, variety and stuff like that and talks of like how to move forward with productions once we come back online. And it sounds like it's like, you know, you know, how to keep the actors safe because we have to be on camera. And, you know, they're talking about, you know, like temperature testing, you know, every time people come on set, when people um, are shooting, I've seen talks about making actors and everybody on a show or a crew um, 
stay in a hotel or somewhere away from their own family so that way no one does anything outside of, like, work to try to contain it until there's a vaccine. So um, the articles and the conversations around the industry have been pretty interesting and how they want to try to keep, you know, everyone safe. But it seems on the plus side that people are still, you know, there's still auditions happening and via Zoom, but, you know, productions are still going forward and people are still taking pitch meetings and pitching show ideas and stuff like that. So because the one thing that's interesting is that through all of this, since we're at home, it's like entertainment industry and actors and musicians and stuff are kind of what's keeping people sane right now. Like we're watching a ton of TV and Hulu and, you know, HBO and like, you know, all these things that, you know, podcasts and that we're listening to that is keeping us going and kind of sane right now. Take us into what you're, uh, what are you listening to? What are you watching when it comes to that quarantine life and trying to maintain some sense of sanity during a really crazy time in our history? You know, Johnny's on Booth maybe disappointed. Um, I've gone down a reality TV uh, hole. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) I have. um, Because I think because, like, everything, like, is it so anxiety-inducing? Like, there's so many news articles and, like, just so much, like, and especially with a new baby, like, everything was just so overwhelming that I literally started rewatching Flavor of Love. Nice. And, <laughs> and then which led to I Love New York. And, um, and so that's what I've been doing. I'm just, I'm trying to keep it. I mean, obviously I'm like reading stuff and watching some serious things, but like on the flip, I'm keeping it so light for myself. And I'm like, what, what would I watch that I would never rewatch in real life? Like, <laughs> if this was real life, if I had to go to Target, if I had real errands to do, if I was working, I'm like, I would never watch this. But now I'm like, why not? Like, why not revisit? And honestly, I've been cracking up. Like, this shit has been getting me through. Like, I've n- not laughed so hard at TV in a long time. And I'm like, you know what? Why not? Like, who's watching? So that, and I will say, I have been watching um, Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu. I did watch that. That, that's the beauty of all of this is just, again, you, you talk about taking things for granted, but, you know, entertainment, we need to take our minds off of the pandemic. For Obviously, you need to stay educated and know what your governor is telling you with regards to right. the stay-at-home orders and keeping it safe. But you can only do so much of that before your mind starts to just go down this paranoid hole of, are we ever going to come out of this? And you got to stop and refocus mm. on the entertainment. That's where you guys kind of come in handy, and it's been great to see, you know, SNL, Saturday Night Live doing their, you know, SNL mm-hmm. from home uh, twice. That's, to me, that's so adventurous to try to take on an undertaking like that. Um, have, did you get a chance to catch any of, of or like the late night folks, you know, uh, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, all the people that are still doing their shows remotely? It's almost like it's a different dimension where you kind of get to feel like you're a little closer to the cast, seeing that they're doing it from their homes and they're just like, you know, every other person who's watching their show right now. Yeah, it's nice, and I even have been watching, um, I don't know if you've seen this, but, oh, God, Mom, don't let me butcher it. Some Good News by John Krasinski? Yeah, you, you nailed it. John Krasinski from The Office has been doing, he did, yeah. like, the, the virtual prom out there for the high school kids, and, like, it's and a simple little the Hamilton <laughs> for the oh, girl. killer with Hamilton. I mean, you start to break down a bit where the girl, you're watching her reaction, and it's, like, that's so touching, and that really again shows to, like, the impact that you all have when it comes to playing a positive role in, in getting us through this. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting because even like that with him, in a weird way, even though it's still like 
you know, YouTube or whatever. But I'm like, oh, John Krasinski, you feel like a person now. You know, and I feel like a lot of times, especially as an actor, you know, we're, we're seen as like, you know, the characters that we play. Um, and that's like it, like almost like a one dimensional, like we're performers. But like, interestingly, during this time and seeing people Skyping and Zooming and doing still their jobs and their shows, but like, you know, the background of their house almost adds another dimension to people when you're like, oh, those are the books. Or like, oh, look at you, have like a children's book. Like, we know you have kids and now we can see a little bit of their life on the side there. And it's just been so refreshing in a way to um, to see that. Now, how have you seen Lyric, uh, the Hollywood and the entertainment industry, how have you seen it come together, you know, to support one another? We've, we've done podcasts talking about Broadway and Broadway's dark, and yet there's all these charitable causes to make sure that the talent, and, and, and we're not just talking about the, the stars, we're talking about, you know, the grips, the behind-the-scenes folks who, you know, the average person would never hear of. Well, their jobs have been taken away just as much as, you know, your marquee talent uh, during this pandemic. What kind of response have you seen from Hollywood when it comes to supporting itself and making sure that people are taken care of? The main thing that I have seen um, when I'm not in my baby bubble is, like, just definitely, like, our unions have done a lot as far as, like, making sure that everyone from, you know, in front of camera talent, behind camera talent as well is, like, supported. I've had to Zoom meetings for, like, unemployment or just, like, to reach out and talk with each other and, like, just, like, exploring all of the options and, like, I think just keeping things hopeful and, like, an open conversation because I feel like people are so, still so isolated right now. And so that's been the biggest thing I've seen. And also encouraging volunteerism and, like, you know, for people to come together to, you know, yeah, like, like volunteer and, like, get masks out or go help with food shelters and food banks and, like, just even doing little errands for each other, like, that I've seen, like, even on Facebook, like, just it really seems like, you know, the industry has come together in that way that they're not leaving anyone behind. Like, grip, sound guys, and, you know, front of camera talent. Like, no one is left behind. Everyone has a resource to talk, to reach out if they need help. And, you know, that to see that has been awesome. Now, where, where were you guys uh, when it came to shooting for AP Bio? What kind of impact did the pandemic have with the with the current with the show with its current plans and uh, and how do you think uh, this is going to affect? Have you guys talked at all about doing anything virtually for the show, or is that more you need to be on set to really capture the magic that you guys all have on stage together? Oh well, well, well. Funny you should ask. So we were um, had shot um, had eight episodes in the can of our season, and we literally had nine days of production left when they shut down the studios and everything um, for two more episodes. And so um, we're going to go ahead and launch on time with the eight that we have. However, there may be, <clears throat> may, I can't say for sure, but there may be some, you know, digital online, some quarantine footage from your favorite teachers and some students of the school to see what's been happening while we've been on lockdown in Toledo. So, um, that may be coming to kind of coincide with the launch. I like that, a little teaser for what might be coming down the pike. And uh, you know, just to kind of piggyback, it was really fun to see. I don't know if you caught it, but um, the cast of Parks and Rec came together and did a Parks and Rec yeah. kind of quarantine. That, that was so cool, I thought. Like, you get people who are just generating buzz about that show and the reunion. And, like, people just need something that's, again, fun and takes them back to kind of latch onto and take their minds off of everything else going on around us yeah and i think it's realistic like and i think and 
you know, our show on Michael Bryan is so amazing, and Peacock and NBC, the network is so amazing, I think. I mean, obviously, Parks and Rec is NBC, too, and is SNL. Um, so I think it's just to, instead of trying to ignore, I think, that this is happening, it's like it's happening to the world, every single one of us. And it's like these characters, these people that exist, they they are experiencing a pandemic as well. They're quarantined, they're locked down, and I think that why not give people at home something, you know, to really feel connected to. And so, you know, you can see what these characters would do in a pandemic. And it's fun. And I think it's a different way to bring in audiences to, I don't know, to relate to us even more, you know what I mean, versus coming back for a season and being like, nothing happened. It's like, no, you know, you may get to see what, you know, Patton's character is doing during a quarantine or Jack or Steph Duncan or, you know, like, People want to see that, and it's just like, why not? Now, I'm glad we're bringing this back to, to AP Bio and some of the amazing, talented castmates that you get to share uh, with this awesome show on NBC called AP Bio. How did your role come to be on this show as the, you know, the history buff, somebody who is just, you've got such a great rapport with your character. Take us through how this almost custom-made role came to be for you. Oh, my God, it's quite the story. So, um that year, it's so funny because um, it came early in pilot season and I was like up for another job that I did not get, which was fine because I feel like I kind of got to the point, finally got to the point in my career where I was kind of like, if I don't book it, it's just not my job. And it just wasn't for me. And instead of like the actor thing of like, what did I do wrong or what choice didn't I make? It's just like, I made all the right choices. That just wasn't for me. So I just had one didn't go through and I read AP bio and it was one of the few scripts that I got that year that besides just the side, I got the whole uh, pilot episode and the whole episode made me laugh out loud. It was one of the, it was the only one. And so right away I was excited about it. Um, and of course, it was, you know, it was NBC and I'd always, I think every actor is like that, does, you know, wants to do TV. They want their friends, you know, you want your show. That's like, you want your community, you want your office. Uh, you want your parks and rec, you know what I mean? And so this felt like that, that I was like, this is going to be my tears. Like, this can be my show that, like, runs for 10 seasons, my family, you know, that type of deal. And so, um, and it's interesting because Steph Duncan on paper was a rambunctious blonde. And I will never forget because I emailed back my team and I was like, oh, you know, I must have got the wrong set aside, like, I can't go into this, like, they're not going to pick me anyway. And they were just like, no, they actually need this part. And I was like, well, it says a blonde. And, like, I'm not. And they were just like, just go in. And so I almost went in defeated before I even got there because I was like, you know, they just want to see me read this to, like, give someone else notes of what to do. Like, they're not even considering me for this. But I went in anyway. And, you know, Andrew Singer and Mike, like, you know, the production, you know, producers, everyone was there. And right away, it was just amazing. And right away, I read with Mary Stone, who's Mary on the show. And we, like, high-fived during our audition and, like, just had such an organic interaction with each other that we saw each other in the bathroom after that and, like, were washing our hands next to each other and looked at each other and was like, where are you? Like, who are you? And was like, why have we never known, never met before that and was like, where have you been all my life? Because you would have thought from the audition that we've been like best friends for years. And so um, the first part of the audition was so good that I emailed my team and I was like, this is my job. Uh, 
please tell them it's my job. <laughs> please. And they were so early in the casting that they were like, we love her too, but, you know, we have some of the other people. And I was like, it's my job, whatever. So, you know, I kept auditioning. Um, and I'm trying to remember how it happened because it was kind of like a crazy intense thing. So we, I went in for, I think it was in person, like the one the producer session and, I still was going in for other pilots, and there was another pilot on ABC um, that I went in for, and I didn't do bad, but I don't think I did great. I think I did good. But so I, like, left that one, and I was still kind of like, well, AP Bio is my job, so it's fine, like, you know, whatever. Like, I could hear them asking other people to read, like, all three scenes, and I got in there, and I only read, like, two, and they were like, great, thank you. And I was like, oh, well, I don't get to read the third scene. Oh, okay. Like, it's like that. So I left, and I was like... Whatever they they hate me, but my other job is coming. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. So I will never forget. It was literally, um, I think, like a week before Valentine's Day of 2017, and um, I got a call from my team, and they were like, and I think I must have went in for AP Bio a second time, like to read again or something like that. Was still like it's still my job, whatever. Um, and so I got a call, and they were like, they both wanted to test me. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah. And so they were like, we have to kind of be, you know, careful about this because you can't test for both. Like, you kind of have to, they were kind of getting into me in my brain. Like, you have to kind of pick one. But we'll, like, wait till we get there. Because, you know, deals fall through all the time, things like that. Um, And so I was like, oh, my God. So they're like, get both of the, you know, both auditions ready and we'll just play it by ear. So, of course, and they're like, oh, and relax. Like, don't freak out. And I'm like, oh, okay. Out right now. Easy enough to say. <laughs> Very easy for you to say, team. And then they were like, oh, and they're like, oh, you have to hire a lawyer right now because now we have to negotiate stuff. And I'm like, I don't know any lawyers. Like, what are you talking about? I don't know any lawyers. And my manager's like, we know a lawyer, girl. We got you, girl. Like, just get the other <laughs> ready. So, so I'm freaking out because I'm like, great, we're hiring a lawyer who's fabulous, by the way. Uh, his name is Michael. He's, he's the funniest thing. He's amazing. So we hired him, and then um, I'm still getting both of these sides ready. And one was, like, kind of like a buddy cop show, and then one was AP Bio. And, like, funny, the buddy cop show, like, I would have been a lead on it. Um, And AP Bio, obviously, is an ensemble comedy. Um, But AP Bio, my team actually this, and right away I was like, it always just felt like my job. And I was like, it's so funny. And I was like, I don't have to be the center of attention. Like, I was like, honestly, like, I want to be surrounded by funny people. Like, I want a show that is, like I said, like, your friends, like, your your kids, you wherever. I'm like, it's funny as an ensemble, and, like, that's why it's funny. Like, your office, like, all the parts make the show, all of it. You know what I mean? Did you have a moment where, like, I don't know, I, I can imagine it's hard to, you know, not be worried about a show taking off and whether it's going to resonate with an audience. Was there a moment for you, Lyric, when you knew that this really had stuck, that AP Bio was something that people were going to love and had really latched on to? Oh, yeah. I feel like the moment I realized that was, um, I don't know, I feel like I guess after our, like, because we had, like, a preview of it before our premiere, and, like, just after that and, like, the response we got and, like, that people really related to it. And the teachers, like, just the, so much, all the feedback that we get about the three of us, me, Mary, and Jean, and, like, that was the, like, just so many people that, like, love them and, like, watch it and, like, are, like, they're so funny and we wait for their scenes. And, and how many people love the kids? The kids are so funny. And I feel like they are slivers of real 
kids in high school. And I think that's what people love. Like, you know, so many, so, not necessarily like in a bad way, but it's like, you know, so many characters can be cookie cutter um, on, you know, shows representing like high school kids. And it's like, these kids are like, you have your geeks, you have your jocks, like you have all this, but like in a very fleshed out real way, which is a nod to the actors who, you know, play them. But it's, yeah, like, I think that that's when it was just the reaction to the characters and the writing and the fact that it's written so well and it's so funny. And I think that people just love that also. Oh, but it was crazy to end that How I Got the Job story, which was insane. Basically, I was at um, the audition for the other job, about to go in the room, wetting my balls off if I had them. But my kids <laughs> were spit out because I was on the phone with my team and they kept calling me and being like, we'll call you back, we'll call you back, you might have a job. And then called me right before I was supposed to go in for this other audition. They were like, you got to be by or we close the deal. It's your job. And I was like, what? And I had to like sneak out of the building. Oh, my God. <laughs> I could sneak out. They were, they were like, hurry up and get out before the producers come out and see. You're like, oh. So it was a whirlwind. But it was one of those that, like, you hear about and you're like, I'll never have that experience going to Hollywood and booking a job. And I'm like, oh, that was my ride to get this job. It was crazy. And I was the first one hired on the show. And so after that, it was so fun because I got to – take part in, um, you know, still reading with Mary and Jean when they got it, and it was just awesome. So how did you lyric transition from, you know, you come to Syracuse, you come to the College of Visual and Performing Arts, and you study drama, and it seems like that was more of a, a classically trained classical profession for theater, and now you're doing yes. these butt-busting, you know, comedies and improv, and you've been on Drunk History, you were on Mad TV, you know, you've done some really – funny comedic work how did you transition from the classically trained theater at Syracuse to get into the the comedy bug how did that play out you know I think I always had the comedy bug like um even as a kid like I and I like grew up watching like in living color and mad tv back when it was on fox and all these comedies and I think that that was always there um and Syracuse you know I and I can appreciate like I did summer theater camps and stuff like that as a kid, and so I love theater. I love music, musicals, classically trained. You know, folks, I love to know about a tattoo, Molia, all the things, Meisner technique. Just think your teeth and do it. Like I, you know, all of that I can appreciate. I, you know, and um, but I think it was always there, even while I was at Syracuse. Like on my spare time, like we, you know, so many of us kids in the drama department would be in the computer clusters at BB, like quoting um, Scary Movie. And like, I think my freshman year, we watched Scary Movie every weekend. I don't know why, but like every weekend we like, <laughs> pop, like made snacks and would gather into someone's room either in Booster uh, or, you know, bowling. And we would like watch it and like crack up. And so it was always, always there. I think I always wanted to do, um, you know, I always wanted to do either SNL or Mad TV because I saw them as the perfect blend of both, like TV and theater meet each other. Um, but yeah, it was always there. Even though now in LA, I'm a groundling. And so I still perform sketch comedy and improv live when I'm not shooting, you know, uh, AP Bio or Joint History. So um, yeah, it's still there. But, yeah, definitely, um, yeah, I always wanted to make people laugh, as I'm sure 
if you talk to Craig McDonald or Victor, any one of them teachers from CSUs, they'd probably be like, yeah, couldn't get this one to, I mean, I read the plays, but, um, you know. <laughs> what um what was it about Syracuse? Because you're, 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 you're from the South Lyric, right, originally? Yes. How did you get involved with Syracuse? To go from New Orleans to, you know, the snow belt capital of central New York, what what made you want to go to Syracuse in the first place? You know what? It's so random. Honestly, like in high school, I was, you know, I was like involved, but I was so like tapped out with college stuff my senior year. It's probably a joke. Like I, um, I was like hot in high school love. With my boyfriend, so to be honest, like, my mom had to, like, look up college with me. Like, no lie. Like, I legit was like, <laughs> I'm in love. Like, I was like, I'm 17, I'm in love. Like, I can't be bothered. Could not be bothered. But the one thing that we did, because I did theater and touring theater in high school. Like, I'd always performed. And so I always was like, I knew I wanted to be an actor. And I was like, I knew I wanted to be a comedian. But I was like, I can't be bothered. Me and my boyfriend I have to go to the park. I can't. And so my mom actually looked up stuff and she like did her process of elimination and um I actually went to junior high and high school in St. Paul, Minnesota. So still a tundra. Ah, they Syracuse and St. Paul probably tie with awfulness as the cold goes. Um, but my mom, you know, just figured like she was like, if you're gonna go to school to be an actor of all the things, she was like, you know, you should go to some school in New York. You know, so she was like, that's where Broadway is and whatever. And she was researching for me, and it came down to Syracuse and Pish, you know, at NYU. And so we went to – I auditioned for Syracuse. He had to go do that in person. And so I think Tish and Syracuse's auditions were not at the same time. And so we ended up just not being able to go back-to-back to New York. So I sent in a tape to Tish, but actually was able to go to Syracuse, and we got to tour the campus and – drama department and everything else and I really think that um for my mom like she just liked the fact that Syracuse is kind of like a college town and it felt kind of you know small and homey in that way versus the city of New York and all of everything there and so I think that's what it came down to is that Syracuse just felt good and she likes to say that her friend Vanessa Williams went there and I like to remind her she don't know Vanessa Williams so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's great out there. Yeah, Vanessa's one of our, our cherished and beloved alumni. We have so many great members of the Orange Network, and it's just so cool to hear, you know, the humble beginnings of, of coming to Syracuse and the career that you kind of made for yourself. Are there any lessons that really stand out to you from a, from a class or an improv session that have really stuck with you and molded your career? You know, I would just say um, I had a teacher there that I think that at the time being young and, like, I know everything. I can do what I want. Um, that we had a day in class, and I hope I'm remembering this correctly, but it was like to know your type. And he basically like told everyone their type based on what you looked like. Just that because, and before you know, we I came out to LA. You know, it was like I can. Like, what are you talking about? I look like everything. Like, don't put me in a box. And it was such an interesting class because he was like, no, this is your type and this is what you look like. And at first, everyone was, like, mad about what they were told. They were like, I don't look like a best friend. I look like a dictator. That's a bad example. But they were like, I don't look like a I don't look like an innocent boy next door. I look like a villain. And, you know, this teacher for the class, it was like, no, this is what you come across as. 
so you know as far as, like, you know, booking stuff or just whatever. And I think at the time it was kind of like, like, I think you told me I looked like a best friend and like a like a nice girl. Just stuff that's so whatever. And I was like, no, I don't. I look like a, somebody crazy. Like, I don't even remember what I tried to say. But I think, especially now working and being here, I feel like that was an important lesson that I took because I think not only just know what you look like, but how to not warp, but how to use that to your advantage and also to know how people see you because then that's how you can kind of morph yourself to for the way that you want people to see you if you're aware of it. And so that was something that was really important, which also helped me with like that audition for AP Bio where it came across as a rambunctious blonde. And right away I'm like, you know, I don't look like that, but it was just like, well, this is what I'm, this is, I'm going to make this role with lyric all over it versus trying to fit into a box or something else. It's like the only person that I can be is lyric. So it's like, if I look like a best friend that I'm going to be the best fucking best friend that you ever saw. I'm going to be the most best friend in this person that it was and get this part because that's all that you have. And so that was something that years later I became to appreciate is to really, we only have ourselves and we can only sell ourselves and, that's all you have to present. So just present it the best and present it so that way you are truly irreplaceable. That's an awesome answer. I love it. I, I want to bottle that up and give it out to all the members of the class of 2020 and people who graduate Syracuse to really focus on honing in on who you are and identifying what you're all about. And you're clearly lyric somebody who's very comfortable in your own skin. You have to be to do improv. I mean, my goodness, I, I can't even imagine – getting under the bright lights and having people. And now, granted, you practice, if you're doing stand-up, you practice your material, but improv is a whole different animal. What is it about the spontaneity of improv, the spontaneity of being part of the, the Groundlings improv troupe in L.A. that really resonates with you and your, your skills? You know, I think, um, especially with improv, I feel like it's the adrenaline rush of it all that, and I think it's such a good way for an actor to sharpen their skills. Like, you have to be so sharp to be an improviser. You have to, I mean, it's just, acting is listening, and acting is reacting. And, like, you cannot be a good improviser if you're not listening and reacting to everything in the moment. So, for me, it helps with acting. To me, they go hand in hand. And that's why I love it so much. Like, you can't be stiff. You have to be so in your body. You have to be so tuned into that other person. You have to be so... And you have to be with them. You cannot check out. And I think that's why I love it. You know, even for stand-up and, like, I think stand-up is, you know, I love stand-up. But, it's you know, it's like a one-person show, whereas for improv, there is no I until you are a team. And so you can't, every funny idea you have, immediately if the other person says something else, it is gone. And I think it's such a good way to really see who, you know what I mean? Like, who has chops? Because you can't rely on the same chick you used to do or whatever you think is funny. All of a sudden, you have to work with somebody else. But, yeah, for me, I think it's, like, it's a huge adrenaline thing, which is why I think I love horror movies so much because it's, like, such a, a ride. Now, we, we kind of teased this a little bit during the beginning of the podcast, but with your role on AP Bio as a history teacher and your recurring uh, appearances on Drunk History, um, those aren't just coincidence. You, you you happen to be a pretty big history buff yourself, right, Lyric? I am. I love it. I do. I told um, Derek that when I first met him, before I did my first drunk history, um, because we were talking and he was kind of like, oh, you really like history. And I was like, I do. Like, I used to work at the Science Museum in Minnesota. 
And so I think that besides acting out, I just think it's so, it's history is fascinating. And I think any way to make it fun, which is why I love doing drunk history so much, I feel like it's golden. Like drunk history, so many people, myself included, watch so many of those episodes and like you learn so much that you didn't know about things that actually happened in a fun way. Um, but yeah, I love it all. World history, American history, like I, yeah. And how about dinosaurs? Do you have a bit of an affinity, a bit of a soft spot for? I we, we mentioned, you know, Jurassic Park. I mean, my goodness, as a as, as somebody who's a 37 year old male, you know, I, I grew up with all those great movies out there, and Jeff Goldblum and Wayne Knight, and there's so many great theater twists with uh, with Jurassic Park in that great series. You're pretty into dinosaurs yourself, right? Oh yes, and Jurassic Park, I always say is in my top five movies. I am not sure what the other four yet. They like rotate, but Jurassic Park is in there. I love Jurassic Park. And I always tell people, this is like my corny answer, I feel, but it's so true. But I think that when Jurassic Park came out, um, I feel like like directors and stuff, they always like had that movie that made them want to direct, blah, 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 blah. And I think for Jurassic Park, for me, I think, I don't know why it came out at a weird time, I think, like in my development, <laughs> where something about it, I saw it in the theaters. And I knew it was a movie, but the dinosaurs looked so real that I really think it was one of the movies that made me want to act and be a part of an industry that could bring that to life. Like, it truly was magical for me. And it has been one of my favorite movies ever since then because it just, it really just, like, hit me in a weird, deep, movie lover, artist way that I was like, how did he do it? And, uh Yeah. And I love dinosaurs. I used to work at the science museum, so I did a ton of dinosaur camps with kids, very into it, very into the bones and such, into recreating dinosaur teeth and uh, little claws out of plaster of Paris, into all the things. It's so great to hear that, and it's so great to hear kind of the well-roundedness of, of yourself and your background, and, and obviously you've had some great success with AP Bio, and there's so many great things that are coming down your for your future, what do you see as some of your career goals? What would you maybe like to do, you know, moving forward that you haven't had a chance to, to get involved with yet? I mean, I would love to do features. I think that's, like, the next thing, get my toe into the feature pool. Obviously, I was not happy to uh, start production on the new Jurassic World, which I'm still a little salty about. Did you know anybody? <laughs> that's what they do. I'm, I have an entire storyline for them. We have not seen Samuel L. Jackson's character, his family, from the first movie, and I have a pitch. <laughs> if you're listening, go get in touch with Lyric Lewis because we could really make some gold out here with the latest of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World series. I, I like where you're going with that because that is, that's a hole that hasn't been addressed yet. Come on, that has not been addressed and not been dug into. But yeah, I definitely think features. I mean, I would love to get into horror stuff just because, like I said, it's one of my, it's not my favorite genre. Outside of comedy, I love horror movies. Um, you know, Freddy Krueger is my dude. And so I would love to just get into that. But I also think, like, like I also teach improv at the Groundlings. And so I think um, just more teaching, like, something about teaching and, like, public speaking and, like, just interacting with people and the youth really um, I've always enjoyed and I always have fun with. I think that's the other hand to have with improv is that I love engaging with people so much and can do it and like like I said nothing kind of throws me so I think that and I don't know like I also I mean I'm dreaming big here but I would I would love a, just a just a um a show just a talk show I also really love to talk 
we've got a lot of good things to say. I think people would definitely listen because it's been it's been a fascinating conversation from from my end of it. And uh, I know lyric that you know things are are difficult right now for for everybody and and people in the entertainment industry. Their lives are put on hold, just like most of America and most of the people around the world were waiting for the coronavirus to pass and get back to a new sense of normal. But I know this when things do clear over. There's going to be great things in the works for you, and obviously getting back with AP Bio, hopefully having some episodes getting released virtually and, and everything coming up down the road. Yeah. It's going to be great to see. I, I, I look forward to that distraction. Yes, it will be coming. And that's the other thing, too, is like I look forward to so many more seasons of AP Bio. Like, bring it on. But, yeah, they're coming. Well, Lyric, we really appreciate you stopping by the podcast today. We uh, wish you nothing but the best of luck and, uh, and keep up the great work. Thank you so much, and you stay safe. Thanks for checking out the latest installment of the Cuse Conversations podcast. You can find our podcast on all of your major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also find our podcast at alumni.syr.edu slash Conversations and anchor.fm slash Conversations. My name is John Boccasino signing off for the Cuse Conversations podcast. <laughs>